Hi everyone, this is Matt Price, host of Dynasty Game Night. My co-host John Bosch and I created this podcast for one reason, to focus on fun. After all, fun is the reason we all started playing fantasy football in the first place. I love games of all sorts, card games, board games, video games, really any kind of game you can think of. So one day, John and I decided it was time for a podcast where we just play games. You might learn something along the way, but you won't find much hard-hitting analysis here. Check out all the other incredible podcasts DLF has to offer for that sort of thing. On Dynasty Game Night, our primary focus is to entertain. So if you like playing games or watching game shows, this might just be the podcast for you. We'd love for you to give it a listen and play along with the contestants and maybe even win a chance to be on the show. Listening to the DLF Dynasty Podcast, where there is no off season. Welcome to yet another edition of the DLF Dynasty Podcast. I'm Dan Myler, and with me once again this week, Ryan McDowell and Matt Price. Fellas, we had a lot of fun last week going over our trip to Chicago. Uh, it was certainly a good time, but now it's back to business, really. Uh, we need to talk about late off-season or, or really preseason rookie drafts. So I know many dynasty owners out there are used to having their rookie drafts immediately following the NFL draft, which is a lot of fun. But lots of us out there have played in local leagues that have turned into keeper leagues, that have turned into dynasty leagues. And because all those leagues always drafted in the fall or at least late summer like we are right now those kind of leagues now that are dynasty leagues are are doing rookie drafts late in in august so let's touch on these rookies probably for the last time this offseason for those out there that are are about to have that rookie draft about to make those those draft picks and we'll we're going to do a little bit of a comparison back to what we might have seen in may back when the first rookie drafts were firing off and then give our thoughts about what we think the changes or the main factors for these changes are. And if we were drafting right now, who we would pick in specific selections. We're even going to finish off this episode of the podcast with a mock draft. So without uh, further ado, let's get to the latest DLF rookie ADP brought to you by my fantasy league. Uh, these are all August drafts fellas and we should say for our listeners that there's been about a hundred rookie drafts in august on mfl we are comparing it to may adp from mfl and there were more than 500 drafts so maybe not the same sample size but certainly relevant data for those of you that are about to do a rookie draft and are about to pick so let's start with the top half of the first round of rookie drafts and and we're doing Single quarterback, like 12-team stuff, or, or 10 or 12 or whatever, um, and, and just kind of going through these uh, one by one. So the most re- recent ADP has Josh Jacobs, followed up by David Montgomery, uh, then Nikhil Harry and Miles Sanders. The fifth guy on the list, it might be a surprise to most, that's Kyler Murray, and then DK Metcalf rounds out the first half of that top 
top six or really the first half of the of the top of the first round. So Ryan, uh, first of all, your thoughts on these six, and secondly, any surprises there? Um, I guess the more I think about this class, the better I think it is overall. That that's kind of my overall thought about uh, about the group because it has. Uh, it's got a bad rap this entire off season. Uh, people comparing it to uh, last year's class, people comparing it to what we, what we expect for 2020. And it, it seems like this group of 2019 has, uh, ha- has almost been an afterthought for some. You heard a lot, especially early in the, uh, in the draft process. You talked about some of those May drafts, Dan. You heard a lot of talk and, and strategy about people completely trading out of this draft class. And, and I think if you did that, th- there's, there's a chance that that was a mistake. Uh, as far as these specific top six, I don't know. I, I, I'd get the hype. I, I believe in the hype to some degree. But seeing Kyler Murray as the top five pick in a one-quarterback format uh, still is just a, just a major surprise to me. In most of those early drafts, he was a late first rounder. I think actually his May ADP was 12 overall. So to see him jump even higher than that is is just a real surprise. As far as the top four, we've seen David Montgomery move up since the early drafts. I think he was he went from four to two. That makes sense. We the the later the drafts, I guess the more you see a a little bit of a redraft mentality kind of taking over, and uh, the players that are maybe more of long term investments that might not help as much in 2019. Maybe Nikhil Harry is one of those. Those players start to fall a little. So I'm not really surprised that Montgomery would move up to that second spot, but I still still prefer Sanders and and Nikhil Harry to him. You know, Ryan, you've been a Kyler Murray fan really since the beginning. I know that. And to hear you say that that maybe that's too much of a price to pay, a lot of us on DLF do rookie rankings. And you're one of the highest on him. In fact, I think you're the only one that has him in the top 12. You're the only one that would say, I'll I'll give up a first-round pick for Kyler Murray in a one-quarterback league. Five is just, it's just too high. It seems like... Uh, that's an opportunity to get a player that you're going to put in your lineup every single week when Kyler Murray, is, even if you're the biggest fan and think he's going to be uh, be all that he can be, I guess, uh, man, that's a risky pick. Yeah, it is for sure. And I think a lot of that actually comes down to not Murray and, and his, his upside or the hype that I mentioned, but it's really more about everybody else in that in that class, maybe from 1.06 really to the early or or middle part of the second round. It's just one huge tier. And you've seen guys like AJ Brown and, and Paris Campbell go top five in their drafts. And you've seen those same guys fall to uh, the early second round. And and the same can be said with pretty much all the players in this tier. So uh, I think that the fact that they're just so, uh, jumbled up so closely ranked that's kind of helped Murray to to rise to the top of that group and I like what you said there Ryan about how these late drafts a lot of times 
uh, get that redraft philosophy or that redraft frame of mind for owners and suddenly we're drafting for 2019 rather than the long term or looking at that three-year window that we talk about regularly. Matt, I want to I bring you into this conversation because I, I'd love your thoughts. First of all, do you have any late uh, rookie drafts in August here before the season kicks off? And secondly, what do you think of this top six specifically? No, I, I typically wrap up. I, I think that my leagues, the ones that I, I commission, are, are usually some of the latest to draft, and I wrap those up by the end of July. I think I feel like August is. I mean, I mean, once we get into August, now we're talking about like things changing on like a weekly basis, and I know they start a little bit in July towards the end of the month once we get into to the, the rookie training camps and stuff. But once those preseason games really start rolling, then I think things just change too fast, and you set up set up situations where owners can take advantage of injuries and that kind of thing. And I, I like to try, kind of avoid that stuff when possible. Uh, as far as, as far as the top six, I think Ryan nailed it. I just I can't I can't take a quarterback that high. I can't take him over DK Metcalf at six. I can't take him over over uh, Daryl Henderson. I can't take him over either the tight end. So I think he's going to be firmly in the end of that first round for me. I'm totally fine taking him at 11 or 12, but too many, too many other guys that I would rather have uh, at, at different positions at that point. Otherwise in the top six, uh, I, I, I agree with Ryan Montgomery up to two is not a surprise, but it's not for me. <laughs> it's just not for me. And then the rest of it seems pretty road. I mean, honestly, Brian talked about how these guys are all one, all one big tier. I think like it's almost like it's a tier of, of one at this point with Jacobs at the top. And, I mean, maybe you can throw Sanders or if you really like Montgomery at two, maybe he's in there too in the same class as Jacobs. But for me, it's Jacobs at the top and like the next eight picks, I think, are, are basically about the same to me in terms of uh, how I would – you know, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't wring my hands too much over Miles Sanders versus Paris Campbell, for example. And there's six spots separating those guys. Sure. You know, the thing about that is, it doesn't seem like that frame of mind has changed all that much since May. Uh, a lot of the Miles Sanders fans out there were were banging the camp, begging the table for Sanders. But most of us were saying, while I like Sanders. There are a lot of guys really close to him, so whether you get him or, or one of the guys right behind him in your rankings, you're going to feel good about that pick uh, in the middle to late part of the first round. I, th- I think that really still holds too, true, and going back to what you said, Matt, earlier, or, or right away when you were talking there, you said you, know, you, you try to wrap up those drafts because you're leery, maybe, of of news breaking that will affect things. I actually like that at least, at least in one or two drafts, because like, like both of you, I'm in multiple leagues and you know, when you're in a dozen leagues, I like to get a little bit of different flavor with them. I'm in one that has a late August draft and I really enjoy it. And, and part of, part of the reason I enjoy it is because of the reason you just said, Matt, um, people get sucked in. And start believing the hype in the preseason and suddenly Zach Sudfeld goes in the first round and, and you just shake your head and say, oh boy, you know, I'll, I'll cash in on that. So uh, let those guys make those mistakes and get sucked in and then, uh, and then capitalize on them, I guess. So Ryan, let's move on to the second half of the first round, according to DLF ADP brought uh, brought in by MFL Drafts. And those six players are Daryl Henderson, TJ Hawkinson, AJ Brown, Paris Campbell at 10, followed up by Noah Fant, and Debo Samuel at 12. Your thoughts on these six players and the movement that we've seen from them over the last handful of months? 
Sure. We we actually haven't seen much movement with this group. Most of these guys have been first rounders and, and late first rounders really since May. The, um, the player I think to focus on here is Daryl Henderson. And uh, I think we all know the story with him that essentially – when he was drafted, that was not viewed as a good landing spot for a player that a lot of people were excited about. And the offseason does what it what it always does, and it, it breeds hype for certain players. It breeds worry for other players, uh, Todd Gurley uh, specifically. And this is what happened. Daryl Henderson ended up as, as a mid-first rounder. And, in fact, we talked about it on here. I, I, he went 101 in – in at least one rookie draft that that was mentioned on Twitter. So um, the hype certainly got out of control for him. Um, he, he he belongs in that tier. I don't know that he belongs at the top of the tier. Uh, and we, we saw him rise quite a bit since uh, since May. And, and now that training camp's here, uh, the, the worry about Gurley is subsiding. The hype for Henderson is certainly subsiding. He played into the second half in their first preseason game while while Gurley sat out and uh, Malcolm Brown also sat out. So that kind of gives us an idea of what the pecking order is right now. It, it doesn't mean Henderson's a bad investment. Uh, it, it just means those who were drafting him expecting huge production this year, you know, may have to wait things out a little. I think I'm on the other side of the fence a little bit, Ryan, because I, I kind of think this draft position is warranted for him. I think he can produce in year one, even if Gurley makes it all the way through healthy. Uh, and I think you're drafting that upside for the future. If he's truly going to be in this, you know, they, first they called it the Lance Dunbar role. I think that was kind of underselling it later in the offseason. They called it, others have called it kind of the Alvin Kamara role. So uh, I think you're going to get a, a, an okay four, even if it, it is a little bit of a reach. You know, maybe I wouldn't take him at seven. I'd probably rather have Hawkinson and Campbell above him, maybe Brown. Uh, but, you know, I, I think it, I think his, his price right now is a little bit closer to true value than it was, you know, just outside that first round there. Um, other guys here that stick out to me, A.J. Brown, uh, fallen three spots, I think, largely because we haven't seen him. He's been hurt. Uh, same with Paris Campbell. And I don't know if there are people still doing rookie drafts, but I'd expect those guys to keep falling just because we don't know when we're going to see them, if at all, in the preseason. So take advantage of that in your late drafts. If I could comment quickly on Henderson, I'm, I'm the guy on the complete opposite of the spectrum than you there, Matt. Uh, I have him at 15 in my ranks, and I'm I'm glad to not get him in in any draft that I had. Uh, I don't own him anywhere of the 11 drafts that I've had to this point, and I've been relatively vocal that I'm a Todd Gurley guy and I'm a supporter of what he's done in the past. And it seems like because, to me at least, because he had a nagging injury at the end of the season and was. Uh, passed on the depth chart by a journeyman running back, C.J. Anderson, that people are over-exaggerating. I think real quickly in 2019, dynasty owners, fantasy owners everywhere, everybody's going to see that Todd Gurley is still Todd Gurley. He's still going to get those carries. And just because they chose Daryl Henderson relatively high in the draft doesn't mean he's going to have a huge role I see him as an insurance policy, so I wouldn't be willing to take him till the middle of the second round, and I am fine with somebody taking him uh, before I get a chance to take him. With that, I want to comment also on what you said there, Matt, the 
A.J. Brown and Paris Campbell. Um, I'm looking forward to my draft because it feels to me like maybe those guys could slip in drafts. Those are both guys that I've targeted in other drafts, even picked in the middle of the first or or top half of the first. Uh, to get them late in the first or maybe even early in the second, that seems like a bargain. So good advice there. For sure. Let's move on to the second round, fellas, and we'll do this as an entire group, I guess. Uh, the second round started starts this month with Devin Singletary at 13. He was 18th overall in May ADP. He was followed up in August by Damian Harris, who was 19th in May. Then Marquise Brown, J.J. Arcega-Whiteside, Mecole Hardman, and Justice Hill at 18 second half of the second round went at Andy Isabella, Alexander Madison, Hakeem Butler, Miles Boykin, Darwin Thompson, and Dwayne Haskins. So Ryan, a little bit different in the second round. Seems like a lot more shakeup as far as I'm concerned. Hardman dropped eight spots. We saw guys like Singletary and Damian Harris uh, rise as many as five spots. Darwin Thompson as well. So that second round, is there some value to be had with these late rookie drafts? I think there certainly is. And Hardman, to me, stands out here. This goes back to what Matt said at the beginning of the show about things changing so quickly. We're, we're looking at August ADP, which is obviously still still current ADP and, and coming from drafts that are, uh, that are actually taking place right now. And it shows Mecole Hardman as one of the biggest fallers, actually the biggest faller in the top two rounds, when after what we saw this weekend, I think that would that would change quickly. So if we pulled drafts just from, I guess, post-week one of the preseason, that would already change. I think we would already see Hardman back up closer to that first round after his impressive debut. So he stands out to me as... Uh, as a potential value, uh, certainly if his ADP stays in in this uh, mid-second round range. But, um, Dan, I know you really like Justice Hill. I do as well. I think all three of us are on board with Damian Harris, although uh, it sounds like he's started out camp a little uh, a little slowly. I'm still a believer in him. Uh, there's there's very few players in this second round that I, I don't want. And because of that... Be- in, in my later season drafts, it's, it's felt like I've been collecting second-round picks because I continuously see players like Harris and Singletary even, uh, although he's r- risen to the point where I'm not going to pick him necessarily at 13. Uh, certainly Justice Hill and Andy Isabella. Alexander Madison, Matt, is one guy that really turned my head a little bit. I, I might have scratched my head a little bit. I'm wondering why Alexander Madison has jumped from the top of the third round into the second round. What are your thoughts there? I kind of see the second round as a little bit of market correction, to be honest, with with a lot of these guys. We've seen uh, seen Mikal Hardman, you know, be a you know, in some drafts I've seen him close to the 107, 106 range. And that was all based on Tyreek Hill news. And now we know that's not a thing. So he's, he's recorrected. You asked about Alexander Madison. I think it's the same for him. People are remembering, Hey, uh, you know, this Dalvin cook guy, he gets hurt a lot. So, and, and he may have, you know, a little bit of extended value on, on top of an injury replacement in terms of maybe having some kind of lit- 
Latavius Murray role. There's been lots of reports about him being a, one of the most mature young guys in camp and, and really kind of taking to the system and all that, so that there could be a bigger role in, in, in mind for him. And then the, the Arizona wide receivers uh, in Andy Isabella and Hakeem Butler. It's, you know, we're still excited about this offense, but with Isabella kind of been hurt a little bit, Butler still kind of struggling with some concentration drops and maybe not not really fitting into the system the way we had hoped. You know, they've we, we just don't really know where the ball is going to go between these two rookies. So those guys have have uh, have, have fallen a little bit off too uh, there. Uh, and then you know the other guys seem to have, have served course a little bit. You guys mentioned Singletary; he's increased because of his buzz. Damon Harris has increased because of Michelle's injury stuff. Um, so this this real this round really feels like just the market kind of correcting himself from that early excitement right after rookie drafts. You know, all the news that came out last week, Matt, that Andy Reid, when he mentioned that, yeah, we're going to we're gonna do the running back by committee thing here. Uh, I think that, that added a lot of buzz to Darwin Thompson, and we've seen that in this ADP. He's jumped five spots over the last four months, but it feels like from what you see on Twitter and what you've seen uh, in, in drafts that I've looked at, at least, that Thompson has jumped those five spots just in the last handful of days. I mean, look what we saw. <laughs> look what we saw in week one. I mean, he. I mean, obviously, as week one, you, you, you say whatever you will about the vanilla defense and everything. But uh, I mean, he looks good. He looks. He. I mean, we haven't seen Damian Williams yet this year, but somebody on Twitter said he's like a better Damian Williams, and I mean, he kind of is a little bit, a little bit smaller guy. He can catch the ball. I think he's a tougher runner than Damian Williams is. He's shown a, at least in the first limited action that he's willing to run over people. He's got a nice stiff arm. He's got some speed. So, uh, I mean, what's not to like? It's a young guy and a Patrick. Mahomes Andy Reid offense so uh, again I think it, it maybe maybe there's a little bit of a danger of overreaction here I know we don't always want to do that but I think you do have to react in some way and I and in a case like an offense like Kansas City's I would way rather overreact than I would underreact you know let's move on to the third round guys so we we kind of finished up with Darwin Thompson and Dwayne Haskins Thompson jumped up into that second round and Dwayne Haskins dropped down to the bottom of the second round if I could say one thing about the third round in August ADP uh, it seems like a lot of guys that moved way up in ADP due to big preseason games or, or a lot of buzz and then a handful of guys that have moved down a handful of spots because they they just simply hasn't haven't garnered any of that buzz to this point let's recap the third round these 12 picks Deontay Johnson came in at number 25 he was followed up by Irv Smith Jr. And Preston Williams, who jumped up 27 spots from 54 all the way up to 27. After him was Tony Pollard, who made uh, another big jump from 49 all the way up to 28. Then Terry McLaurin, Jalen Hurd, and Keyshawn Johnson, who went from 51 up to 31. Benny Snell, Jay Sternberger, Ryquel Armstead, and Daniel Jones uh, along with Bryce Love, rounded out the third round. So, Matt, let's start with you on this one. First of all, those guys that really made that big jump, we're talking about Preston Williams, Tony Pollard, and Keyshawn Johnson, all made made jumps of more than 20 players. First of all, who do you prefer of that group if you're spending a late second or early third on one of these guys that have made that uh, that big jump? And then secondly, how do you think they're they're going to move from here on out for the rest of this preseason? 
Uh, of those three, I would say I, I value Keon, Keyshawn Johnson the most. I think we've seen the most excitement from him so far this offseason, both in-game and in practices. Um, and obviously I like that offense the best of these three. So Preston Williams I, I really like, but I liked him when he was an undrafted free agent price. You could get him at the fourth fourth or fifth round. I don't I don't know about here in the middle of third when I can have some of these other guys like Terry McLaurin, like you mentioned. Uh, Irv Smith has fallen a lot, so I probably prefer, still prefer him over uh, a UDFA like that. But you have to admit, again, reacting to the preseason game, he looked the part. He looked like a he could, he could play the part of an NFL wide receiver one. The, the questions with him were always based on off-the-field stuff rather other than actual talent on the field. So I, I, I can see it. But uh, I think Keyshawn Johnson is the guy for me based on that question. Yeah, I think I'm going Preston Williams here. Um, again, we, we know the talent is there. We know he went undrafted, not because not because the talent or any questions on the field, but because of that off-field history. And th- the thing I like most with him compared to a lot of the other players in this round is that he has a chance to be the top option for his team. And uh, I do like Keyshawn Johnson, but he's, he's certainly not going to be the wide receiver one, uh, probably not even the, the wide receiver two for the Cardinals anytime soon. Um, and, and you look at the other players in this range and, and the same, uh, they're, they're dealing mostly dealing with some of the same roadblocks as far as their depth charts. So uh, Preston Williams of, of those risers would be my choice here. Yeah, and outside of those risers, I, I tend to lean towards Preston Williams again as well. I've been a fan of Preston Williams since I watched him play in college and, and thought, man, this guy's too good for nobody to be talking about it. Then I then I realized that people were talking about him. It was just that all that off-field stuff got, got a lot of folks worried about him, and for good reason, really. But now that he's shown up at... at uh, at Dolphins training camp, uh, the beat writers have been talking about him and what he did in that first preseason game really shines a light on his upside. I think he belongs in that early third round range. I currently have him actually as the last pick in the second round. So I, I, I have no problems Preston, picking Preston Williams where he's at. Outside of those top three guys, Ryan, uh, there, there are some intriguing guys in the third round still. Uh, Benny Snell, of course, is one of your your favorites with the Kentucky roots that you have. Uh, also, Jay Sternberger, uh, Bryce Love is one of Matt's guys. And then Daniel Jones is sitting there at 35 in a single quarterback. Are you thinking about Daniel Jones? And, and if not, who else intrigues you of this group? Yeah, Jones had, a, had an impressive debut as well. I think... Um probably reminded a lot of people of Josh Allen from last year, not not necessarily from style of play, but just as a, a quarterback that had been uh, written off before the game even started. So uh, that good, you know, good news for Jones and, and maybe for Giants fans. But in a one quarterback uh, draft, I'm I'm still not spending a third rounder on him. Uh, there, there's just too many other guys I like in this range. Uh, Irv Smith is, is somebody that Matt mentioned He's probably my favorite player in this third round overall. Um, and, and then I talked about the thing I like about Preston Williams is that kind of wide open depth chart and the chance for him to be the top option. Terry McLaurin, Jalen Hurd, both also have that possibility of uh, of moving up the depth chart and being being the top guy in their offense uh, or the top receiver in their uh, respective offenses as well. So McLaurin and Hurd are, are two other guys I would 
uh, be considering in the third round. Matt, I mentioned that Jay Sternberger came in at 33 overall in August ADP. That's seven spots down from earlier in the offseason. You and I uh, have have both kind of had a fondness for Sternberger and his upside in the Packers offense. Um, but as the offseason has, has kind of winded down and we got into training camp, I was leery of the price tag with Jay Sternberger. He was creeping towards the back end of the second round. I really like this 33 price tag compared to what we were seeing earlier, uh, maybe in, in July. Yeah, I think it's a similar case as with Irv Smith. We just we were very excited about these two young guys that we think could be studs and good offenses with good quarterbacks and good surrounding talent. And then we realized, you know, maybe actually Jimmy Grant's probably not going to go away for another year, and 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 uh, Kyle Rudolph is probably not going to go any, anywhere for a little while. So we're going to have to wait on these guys. Um, so I, I, I think that's probably why we've seen this fall. And I, I definitely like getting them at the end of the third rather than uh, up at the end of the second or the or the early third round here. Me as well. There are also some guys in the fourth round, fellas, that we should talk about. Let's go through the next 12 players quickly. It's Dexter Williams, Kelvin Harmon, Dawson Knox, and Hunter Renfro at number 40 overall. He was followed up by Drew Locke, Bruce Anderson, Riley Ridley, and Travion Williams. The last four in the fourth round include Quadri Olison, Rodney Anderson, Josh Oliver, and wide receiver Darius Slayton. So some risers and some fallers. The risers, of course, being Quadri Olison who, and, and Dawson Knox, who, who each moved up about 10 spots. And then the fallers being Kelvin Harmon and Rodney Anderson, who each fell about 12 spots from May to August. So Matt, is there anybody in this fourth round, if you're shooting a dart at a dartboard and trying to take a shot on a freebie players. There's somebody that jumps off to you as a value. Dexter Williams up top. I think, you know, Jamal Williams has this, this, this leg injury, his hamstring injury, whatever it is. Uh, and we weren't that excited about him anyway. So this kind of lets Dexter Williams get a little bit more play uh, once when, when Aaron Jones isn't getting reps with the first team. So I like that quite a bit. Even uh, the fact that he's fallen, I think. I'm not even sure why he would fall two spots. I guess that's kind of an insignificant amount. So we shouldn't be concerned about that. But he's one that sticks out. Dawson Knox also with, uh, you know, it's kind of a dearth of weapons there in Buffalo. Uh, their starter was down with an injury, giving him a chance to really kind of lock up uh, some kind of role in that offense, I think. I think we'll see, see him, you know, maybe not produce like a fantasy tight end, probably someone that we're going to start in year one, but somebody who's going to give us hope for year two and beyond. Uh, and then Hunter Renfro, I think it seems like, based on all reports, that he kind of has that slot job locked up in Oakland. So those guys stick out. Uh, just a couple more I'll throw out. Quadri Olison. I, 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 I really think that he might have a role in, in year one, too. We know Ido Smith is there. He wasn't really very impressive in his time last season. Tevin Coleman's gone. He wasn't impressive in in week one of the preseason. Uh, And Allison kind of is a better compliment, I think, to what Freeman offers. You know, he's a much bigger back. Uh, Freeman's this little 5'9", you know, 205 kind of guy. And and Allison is more of that big pounder. And and, and if anything else, he could be taking some touchdowns away from those other backs. Uh, And if Freeman were to go down, you know, honestly, I kind of think Allison might slot in as as the starter, depending on what happens with Brian Hill. I know he's getting a little bit of and a little bit of play too. So it seems like it's going to be between Allison and, and, and Hill if something were to ha- be happening to Freeman. So I like that price with Allison quite a bit despite the 10-spot the movement up. 
Yeah, I'm I'm on board with all of those picks, Matt. Um, still, uh, still a fan of Dexter Williams. Uh, I also like the the tight ends. It, it seems like those uh, second or, or third tier tight ends were maybe being a little overdrafted early. Uh, talking about Dawson Knox and Josh Oliver and and even uh, Kahale Waring, who I think is outside of this fourth round range now. Uh, so those those guys have dropped back a little bit. We don't really expect big short-term production from those guys, but with their specific situations, they could see, could see some early opportunity. So I like, I like the new price tag on those guys. Um, and then the other one who's also just outside that fourth round range is Gary Jennings, uh, Seahawks rookie receiver, who I'm still, uh, st- still a believer in, uh, like that depth chart as well. And like his talent and he's, he's falling. I'm not, not even really sure why, honestly, but I'll take the discount. Matt, I want to go back to what you said about Dexter Williams with the two-spot fall. I really expected him to take a jump already here in the offseason, considering how he played in the Packers' first preseason game where where he was really the the bell cow running back. He, he handled all carries, really looked good on each of them despite playing behind uh, second and third and even fourth string offensive linemen although the Texans were also playing their backups and, and maybe their deep backups as well, uh, Williams flashed a little bit and certainly looked like an NFL running back. So so Williams is one of the guys that jumps off to me. If you can get him in even the third round, I feel like that's a nice pick. There are a few others as well. Bruce Anderson has moved up five spots. There seems to be, and it's more about the lack of talent on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers uh, roster at running back that that draws me to Bruce Anderson. He was a very good player at North Dakota State. Certainly is a one cut runner that can that can make something happen if if only asked to do that. And but I don't I don't put it beyond Bruce Arians to give him an opportunity. And uh, if he were to get a regular role, he would definitely outperform that that forty second overall ADP in rookie drafts. Another guy that jumps off to me, Rodney Anderson, seems like the injury history. You know, a lot of people talked about him a year ago as being a first round NFL pick, and then suddenly the injuries pile up, and now he he seems to be on the back burner. Nobody's even remembering him. Um, although he's not the most talented guy in the world. There, there is something there, and if he ever gets an opportunity in Cincinnati, despite their drafting Travion Williams as well, he could he could make some noise as well. We might have to wait on him, but but he's a guy I would take in that like free agent range, fourth round, fifth round type type range for sure. Um, with that, let's let's kind of move on to some overall thoughts about this. August ADP, guys, um, we, we glanced over a few things. We covered a lot of things. But before we move on to our three-round rookie draft, guys, I want to I wanna get in your heads a little bit. Ryan, we'll start with you. Uh, if you're doing one of these August dr- rookie drafts and, and you're trying to, in general, uh, dissect what's happening, happening in – in the preseason, what we're reading from beat writers in training camp, how are you taking all this news? How much is it affecting your rankings? And if you're if you're on the clock on August 22nd and and a, a, a player is obviously doing something very good in the preseason, how much does that really affect uh, what you're going to do 
uh, when you make your selection. Well, I think there's a lot to account for there. And um, I, I, I think it's important to pay attention to the preseason uh, to to react. Our friend Dwayne Brown says react, but uh, without overreacting. And I, I think that's that's really kind of when it you know what it boils down to when you're talking about the preseason. I, I, I think it has some value. I think you need to pay attention as a fantasy player, especially if you do have a late uh, rookie draft. But you certainly can't draft just based on preseason and and camp notes, or you're going to end up um, making a pick like uh, like you mentioned earlier, Dan. Who was who was the tight end? Sudfeld. Yeah, yeah, that was a, that was a rough one for a lot of a lot of our listeners. <laughs> yeah, so um, it it always seems to be a patriot, right? Now it's now it's Jacoby <laughs> Myers. So I mean, we've got we've got Jacoby Myers. We've got. Um, guys like Preston Williams and Darwin Thompson who are really uh, impressing in in this action. We just have to kind of take everything we we know and put it all together to to kind of decide our our how we're going to value how we're going to rank those players. But I think maybe what's even more important than individually deciding how you value that player is, is just understanding that that hype, that excitement, and those Roto World blurbs or uh, notes from beat writers, they are going to they are going to impact leagues as a whole. So if it's not you reaching, somebody else in your league is probably going to reach for Preston Williams in the in the early second round or um, you know one of these other players. So I would say kind of, de- determine how you value the player, what your rankings look like, and then, and then stick with that because, um, some, again, somebody else is going to do, going to do the reaching when it comes to these players. Matt, I don't know if I could say it a whole lot better than what, what Ryan just articulated for us, but why don't you try? (laughs) That seems like a, like a bad setup for me. Uh, but, (laughs) Uh, I, I think I, I do, again, I, I, I agree with what Dwayne is saying, don't overreact. But again, I would rather overreact than underreact because what we're seeing on the field is is the new reality. I mean, yes, it's the preseason. Yes, we're dealing with defenses that aren't showing any, any advanced looks or coverages or anything like that. But what we are seeing is that these players are making plays on the field, and, and that's important to me. Uh, I, I think you still have to consider all of the other things that we learned in the previous uh, part of the, this, this process in terms of draft capital, uh, you know, the, the team's situation the depth chart all this kind of stuff uh, but but at the same time if you see a player make a play and, and it, for some reason it sticks out to you and it's a player that it may, maybe it completely changes the way you felt about that player I mean we have to remember also that this game is is played for fun and we want to play for guys that we want to root we want to play with guys that we want to root for so if you get a become a fan of a new player you see it here obviously you're not going to take like uh, you know, a Darwin Thompson in the first round or something like that. you're not going to get crazy about that. But, you know, if you have a late second round pick and and you decide, you know, I'd rather take Darwin Thompson, even though ADP tells me to take Alexander Madison, I mean, who cares? At that point, who cares? So so take the players that you like. Just don't overreact in terms of sticking these guys that were completely being undrafted or maybe fourth or fifth round rookie pick guys and, and putting them into those really premium draft slots. But once we get to the second and third round, those guys aren't big, uh, traditionally aren't hitting that much anyway. So take take the guys that you're excited about once you get to that area of the field. If there's anything that has jumped off to me in the last handful of years about late uh, late rookie drafts. It's that 
that people do overreact and and not maybe in the way that we're all thinking that that suddenly the unknown guy that has the big preseason is is suddenly drafted early in the second round rather than going undrafted it's more that that a player that we all know or at least we all should know that is is maybe hurt maybe maybe not very uh not making a real good real big impact in the preseason or in the in training camp suddenly they will they will start slipping in these drafts guys like Keenan Allen jump off to me as a guy that that we all knew about him and all thought man maybe that guy's the the best player in, in college and then suddenly he was going in the second and third rounds of rookie drafts late in in, in his rookie season. So I, I, I get a little bit frustrated with that. Uh, you still have to, the, the work that you did throughout the off season and, and watching college football a year ago and, and watching the NFL draft and, and putting together those initial rankings, all those things still matter. Don't ignore them just because, oh, well, they say this guy isn't doing well. They say that Paris Campbell hasn't been able to get on the field or A.J. Brown is struggling with an injury and and just doing side work. Uh, Odell Beckham Jr. was one of those guys. And in August of his rookie year, he was sliding in rookie drafts. And, and everybody that passed on him right now is regretting it. So if, if I could give one bit of advice, it's that remember that these players that aren't on the field or, or aren't making an immediate impact, they they have the potential to for sure. And, and if there was a reason for you to think they might be a top five or top 10 prospect in a rookie draft, that reason could still exist. So with that, let's go on to our uh, rookie, rookie mock draft, guys. And I guess... Ryan, you came up with our agenda this week, and you graciously gave me the number one pick. Um, I am I'm going to be followed up by Matt and then Ryan, and we're going to do this snake version, so I'll have the fourth, and then Matt will have the fifth, followed up by Ryan, and so on and so forth. So I redid my rankings just a couple of days ago, and I still have Nikhil Harry at number one, so I will take Harry right now at 101. That makes it easy for me. I will take Josh Jacobs, 102. And I will take Miles Sanders at the 1.03. Hmm, so Ryan doesn't get sucked in by ADP at all. He sticks to his board. I'm going to go with David Montgomery, who I have it for, but feel really good about taking him here and really feel like there's, there's a little bit of a fall off, fellas. What do you think, Matt? I would disagree. In fact, my four is still DK Metcalf, so I will take him here at five. And Montgomery would be right after that, probably the same tier. Yeah, maybe maybe this is where the fall off is. Um, I'm going to stick to my board as well and, and not give in to all that preseason news. I'm going to take A.J. Brown uh, at the sixth spot. So that puts me on the clock at 107. I was hoping you would succumb to that. To the news, uh, and AJ Brown would slip a little bit. I have him at five, just ahead of DK Metcalf. But I'm going to stick to my board as well, and stick to a guy that I've been a fan of for a long time. But maybe preseason news isn't on his side as well. I'm going to go with Paris Campbell. 
Yeah, that that hurts. <laughs> <laughs> I think here again, here's another drop off. I think where you have to make a choice between these two tight ends, or go with Henderson, or if you're really into Kyler Murray, even a one quarterback, you go with him. But uh, I, uh, I think I, I don't know if it's influenced by ADP because I do have him here. But I'm going to take Daryl Henderson here at 108. If I if I could quickly interject before you go, Ryan, this is the exact situation that. I love to see because I, I felt the same thing, Matt, right here, that you're kind of you're it's a little bit of a fall off. You're you're concerned about if you should take the tight end right now, maybe one of these other receivers. Since I'm lower on Henderson, I love to see him go right here. That push if I'm on the clock at ten, which I am, Ryan's gonna go at one oh nine, I feel like that pushed a, a player that I really wanted. I'd I'd really like to see one of those tight ends fall to me at ten. Uh, you taking Henderson made that happen for me. Uh, well, you will like my pick as well then, uh, Dan. I'm going to take Kyler Murray here. Uh, I do think this is this is really a team-specific pick. And if I, have, if I have one of those top quarterbacks, I'm probably not taking Murray there. Probably would pivot over to one of the tight ends. But in this scenario where we don't, uh, don't really have teams uh, that we're necessarily drafting for, I'll just take the talent and go with Kyler. That's interesting, Ryan. I'm going to put you on the spot because you have TJ Hawkinson and Noah Fant at 8 and 9, followed up by Daryl Henderson and then Kyler Murray at 11 in your ranks. Are you going to revisit those rankings after the podcast today? Yeah, I might. I mean, I get, you know, we talk a lot about it and we've talked about it. I've talked about it in this episode about not drafting uh, the quarterback so early, but with tight end and comparing Kyler to Hawkinson and Fant, typically we're talking about those onesie positions. So um, I, I don't necessarily, I don't know why it's so accepted that we should take Fant and or, or Hawkinson in the first and taking Murray uh, even in the first round is is crazy. Now taking him top five, I'm not not on board with that, but. Uh, I, I certainly think he's in the same tier as, as the two top tight ends. That That is a great point. And considering what we're going through right here, we didn't really set any boundaries. Obviously, if it's tight end premium, maybe that affects your, your choice a little bit. Uh, if there's the potential for super flex to come in your league at some point, that's, that's a factor as well. Um, because you took Kyler though, that made me choose between these tight ends. Currently I have TJ Hawkinson one spot ahead of Fant in my overall rankings and in my tight end rankings. So I'll go with Hawk here. Man, that, uh, that makes things a little bit tough because I, I, I do like Hawkinson here, but I'm not sure I want Fant at 11. I would have taken Kyler if he was still around. I'm going to drop down the board a little bit and take Damian Harris at 111. That's a terrible pick because, <laughs> <laughs> because that's who I wanted. Um, no, I, I I do think it's that I think that's a good pick, and I do think Harris uh, warrants consideration late in that first round range. So I'm on board with that. Um, I will go back to that tight end position, and I'll take Noah Fant here at the one point twelve. Mm, that that puts me in the position at two hundred one that I didn't want to be in at one ten. Had you guys taken both. Uh, both tight ends, I would have probably gone down my board and taken Damian Harris. But since they're all gone, I'm going to have to stick with my board, and I'll go with 
At 201, I'll take Debo Samuel. Yeah, he was he seemed like stick out pretty pretty well there. Uh man, I know I know there's a guy staring me at the face, but I in the face, but I really don't want to take him. So I'm gonna go down my board again. Well, down down not down my board, but down the ADP board, I guess I should say. Uh, and I'm gonna jump out, down, all the way down to Mikol Hardman for the 202. Uh, and that makes things pretty easy for me. I will take JJ Arcega Whiteside at the 2.03. I knew you would, and I almost took him just so that you couldn't, but <laughs> I, I just couldn't. I couldn't do it to myself. That puts me on the board at 204, and I have a interesting dilemma. I have one player over another that, and I'd rather go with the the secondary player, which makes me think I should revisit my rankings. You know, if if I were at 204 and didn't have another pick till 304, I would I would maybe go towards the position that I needed more because I think both could could make a relatively big impact in their rookie year. Since I don't want to mess up what what I've started and sticking to what what I think. I'm going to go with Andy Isabella here at 204. Wow, I feel like we're just playing chicken now with with a couple of these players. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm not going to take him either. Uh, I'm going to I'm going to go I'm going to go Marquise Brown. I think the upside is high enough that I'm willing to spend the 205 on him at this point. I know we're going to have to wait on him, but. Uh, I, I like what I'm going to see from, I think I'm going to like what I'm going to see from Jim Lamar Jackson. So Ryan's on the clock at 206 and, and I'm right behind him at 207. And I'm caught in a predicament here because I have Justice Hill at 13th in my rankings. And, and obviously Ryan's on the clock here at, at 18 overall. If, if I were actually on you know in a draft right now i'd be banging on ryan's door trying to get that pick because he's the obvious choice here ryan who are you gonna go with yeah i'm gonna stick with that ravens offense and take justice <laughs> hill here um and you would uh you would have to offer a lot for me to move out of this spot uh with hill falling to the mid-second because looking at the available players we're looking at uh a few I guess potential backup running backs or, or maybe commi- uh, running backs that will be part of committees. Uh, the next tier of wide receivers, I think a pretty big difference between uh, the guys we've just taken and, and the next guys on the board. So to me, Justice Hill is the obvious pick here. Yeah, he's the obvious pick for me as well. And I would I would take him right now. I, I mentioned that I would have made some kind of offer you said that he fell to 18 august adp does does place him at 18 so i guess we took him where dynasty owners in general value him uh it seems like a bargain though for sure i'm gonna go with devin singletary as kind of a poor man's justice hill i guess adp would suggest that singletary is the better value though he has a 13 adp as we covered earlier yeah, that's that's the one that I was playing chicken with, kind of, because at this point, I think you have to take him just based on the opportunity he could get in year one. Uh, but I prefer all of those other players to him long term. So uh, I think he went appropriately, at least in terms of how we value them. Uh, I am going to go with, oh, man, this is a really tough selection here, because, I, again, I think we hit a kind of kind of a wall here with with year one production, especially. So I'm going to I'm going to take. Man, it's gross. I'm going to take Miles Boykin here. I'm going to just uh, capture that Ravens offense or passing offense, and hopefully one of these guys works out. 
It's always good to nail down the Ravens offense for sure. Um, <laughs> hey, it's you watch, you watch. Um, let's see this. I do agree with you though. This is, this is a tough spot. A lot of these guys are, uh, obviously valued similarly. Um, and I, I think now maybe I am going to fall into the, the preseason buzz. I'm going to take one of those guys who's impressed and I'll take Darwin Thompson here at 2.09. That, that's who I wanted to take, Ryan. I just, I don't know. I don't know why I didn't. I, I was shaking my head because I thought for sure you'd say Preston Williams. That's the guy I'm going to take at 210. 2.11, I'm going to jump way down the ADP board and grab Terry McLaurin, another one of these offseason buzzy guys. Um, okay. I will... Go back to the running back position, I think, and go with Alexander Madison. Not a, not really a huge fan of his, honestly. Uh, have some, some doubts about his game, but also have some doubts about Dalvin Cook, and that, uh, that puts me on Madison here in the late second round. Yeah, it's odd because towards the latter part of the second round, you feel like, man, I'm, I'm reaching for these guys when we were taking guys like Darman Thompson and, and Preston Williams, maybe even McLaurin. And, and now early in the third, it feels like a bargain with some of these other players that are on the board because a few months ago, as we were talking about earlier in the podcast, these guys were going in the middle of the second round or late second round. I'm on the clock at 301, and I'm going to take Irv Smith Jr., that's who I would have taken too. So <laughs> nice pick, Daniel. Oh, man, this this is where it gets real tough because now I really want to start taking the guys. This is where the range where I really want to start taking the guys that I like over the guys that I are, are probably the smarter picks. Um, so I'm I'm gonna go Jalen Hurd at three hundred two. Is that the smarter pick or the player you like? Uh, that's the player I like. <laughs> For the record, in the third round, I feel like you should take the player you like always. I do too, and and I think I think Jalen Hurd might be the smart pick as well. Right, uh, he cert- certainly started out strong uh, himself. I'm going to go with uh, Deontay Johnson at three point oh three. Hmm, I would have gone with those two in order as well since they're both gone. I'm going to go back to tight end, and I'll have to take Jay Sternberger. I was really hoping you guys would have taken somebody, so I didn't have to, but I'm not going to do it anyway. I'm going to continue going down the ADP list, and I'm going to take Dexter Williams at 305. Uh, I'm not exactly sure who you were talking about, but maybe you were talking about Hakeem Butler. Uh, I'll take him here in the middle of the third round. Looks like he's pretty buried on that Arizona depth chart. Uh, but again, we're we're talking dynasty here. Guys, these guys don't have to give us that year one production to um, to ultimately return their value. That's right. And I've made a few adjustments to my rankings already because of this ex- exercise. Hakeem Butler is one of them. I had him in the late second. I took Preston Williams over him. Then I took Irv Smith over him. Then I took Jay Sternberger over him. So Butler definitely needs to move into the third round for me. Uh, that puts me on the clock at 3.07, and it feels to me like there's a little bit of line here as well. I'm going to take Benny Snell, though. I still like that upside in Pittsburgh and and feel like, despite the lack of buzz with him, there's some long-term upside with Benny Snell. Yeah, Butler was the guy I was talking about. I just... 
I don't, I don't know if he should still go ahead of Keyshawn Johnson. So I'm taking Keyshawn Johnson here. I know the, the dra- higher draft capital, the higher upside, all of that stuff. But Keyshawn is the one that we're hearing this constant drumbeat about, the one that is really kind of turning head in camp. Call it an overreaction if you want, but uh, I, I think he's a, seems to be solidly ahead of Butler at this point in the process. Yeah, I like I like the Keyshawn Johnson pick a lot. Um, definitely was eyeing him here, and that kind of leaves me scrambling a little bit. This feels like uh, a drop down the tiers as well. I will take Tony Pollard here at 3.09. Hmm. You got me, McDowell. Good. Um, now I feel like it was a drop-off. I, I thought it was relatively close with Snell and Johnson and Powell. It feels like we're we're throwing a dart at a board now. And if I'm going to do that, I'll go with the, the guy with a lot of pub. I'm going to take Jacoby Myers at the 310 with my last spot. Wow. I don't think that's a bad pick. It's just a little bit, a little bit surprising in terms of where, how far he's jumped up from basically being undrafted most of the offseason. Um, but, uh, yeah, this last pick, I kind of want to go the same direction, but I also still like a player on the board, so I'm going to go – a little bit higher up, and I'll, I'll, I'll go with Ryquel Armstead. I, I'm just not a believer in what Fournette's going to offer. I think he's the same style of runner of Fournette. If anything happens to him in terms of getting hurt again or getting in Tom Coughlin's doghouse, so uh, Ryquel Armstead seems to be some good value here at 311. He is good value. That's who I was going to take. You sniped me again. Um, I was hoping you you would make your – Typical, terrible pick of Bryce Love, but you didn't do that. So um, <laughs> that Ouch. leaves me chasing. <laughs> wow. Hey, listen. It, it's true. That's some tra- it's true. That's some trash, McDowell. <laughs> Truth hurts. Um, I'll take a Redskin, not Bryce Love, though. I'll take Dwayne Haskins. Not, not really a player I've been targeting, uh, but falling to the end of the third round for that first-round quarterback, uh, I think, is, is worth a chance. So to recap, the first round real quickly went Harry Jacobs Sanders followed by Montgomery, Metcalf, A.J. Brown, Paris Campbell, then Henderson, Kyler Murray, T.J. Hawkinson, Harris, and Fant. The second round, Debo Samuel, then Hardman, J.J. Arcega-Whiteside, Isabella, Marquise Brown, Hills, Singletary, Boykin, Thompson, and Preston Williams, followed by Terry McLaurin and Alexander Madison. The third round then went uh, Smith, Hurd, Deontay Johnson, Jay Sternberger, uh, Dexter Williams, Hakeem Butler, uh, Benny Snell, Keyshawn Johnson, Pollard, Myers, Armstead, and Dwayne Haskins. So that's going to do it for this episode of the DLF Dynasty Podcast. We'll get back with you next week to talk more, uh, more Dynasty with Ryan and Matt. For them, I am Dan. We'll catch you next week on the DLF Dynasty Podcast.